First Peter. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, to refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul, having your conversations good among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by the good works which they shall behold in you, glorify God in the day of visitation. Be ye subject, therefore, to every human creature for God's sake, whether it be to the king as excelling, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of the good. For so is the will of God, that by doing well you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not as making liberty a cloak for malice, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, those that are difficult to deal with. For this is thankworthy. If for conscience towards God, a man endures sorrows, suffering wrongfully. It says, Refrain yourself from carnal desires, which war against the soul. Carnal desires are not bad in themselves, but when they war against the soul, they are. For example, overeating will war against the soul. Or excessive entertainment will war against the soul, keep you away from prayer. In that other passage that says, love the brotherhood. That means love your fellow Catholics. you got to love everybody, all mankind, but especially Catholics. Love the brotherhood. Today's Gospel from John 16. The context is the Last Supper. A little while, and now you shall not see me. And again a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. So he's going to be crucified and be dead for three days. They won't see him. And then he's going to rise again, and they're going to see him. And then he's going to ascend to heaven. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you shall not see me. And again a little while, and you shall see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he saith? A little while. We know not what he speaketh. And Jesus knew that they had a mind to ask him, and he said to them, Of this do you inquire among yourselves, because I said, A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, a little while, and you shall see me? Amen, amen, I say to you, that you shall lament and weep, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be made sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow, because her hour has come. But when she has brought forth the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. 
so also you now indeed have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. Joy. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants to be happy. And we constantly make the mistake of trying to get our joy from carnal desires. But that's a fleeting joy. That's a joy that can actually begin to war against the soul. But the joy Jesus is speaking about here is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It flows out of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Joy. Joys from carnal pleasures can be taken away, but joy from the Holy Spirit cannot be taken away. Live in the state of sanctifying grace. Live a life of prayer, vocal prayer, mental prayer, frequent reception of the sacraments. Stay close to Our Lady, who's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will start to produce His fruits in you. All of them, especially joy, charity, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Holy Spirit will pull this off, but you've got to cooperate by living in the state of sanctifying grace, staying close to Jesus through the sacrament of confession and Holy Eucharist, and hold Our Lady's hand always. The Holy Spirit will give you His fruits, one of which is joy, which the reading speaks of here. And it's a real joy, because it's not a carnal joy, it's a spiritual joy. Got one question today from the Baltimore Catechism. Question 251. Why did Jesus institute the Holy Eucharist? He gives us six reasons. These make great meditations, these six reasons why Jesus instituted the Holy Eucharist. Here it is. Jesus instituted the Eucharist, number one, to unite us to himself and nourish our soul with his divine life. That's what he's going to do today. When you hold out your tongue and receive him in Holy Communion, he's going to unite himself to us and nourish our souls with his divine life. That's a big deal. Number two, he instituted the Eucharist to increase in us sanctifying grace and all virtues in our souls. Eucharist increases virtue in us. If we're not virtuous people, we're not receiving the Eucharist or, or, or we're not receiving it with the, with the properly disposed. Eucharist increases all virtues in our soul. Number three, institute the Eucharist to lessen our evil inclinations. If you don't receive the Eucharist, or, or you don't receive it properly disposed, you're going to have a lot of evil inclinations. Okay? It will lessen. Eucharist lessens evil inclinations. Number four, he instituted the Eucharist to be a pledge of everlasting life. Number five, he instituted the Eucharist to fit our bodies for a glorious resurrection. Number six, the big one. He instituted the Eucharist to continue the sacrifice of the cross in his church. In Calvary, there was a bloody sacrifice. On the altar at Mass, there's an unbloody sacrifice. It's a sacramental separation of his body and his blood are separated sacramentally and offered as an immolation, a sacrifice to God the Father just like what happened on Calvary, but in a glorious manner, not a bloody manner. Thus applying all the merits of Calvary, of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, to our soul at the holy sacrifice of the Mass.